Radio Verulam at the weekend. Are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then I'll begin. Hello everyone. It's Dan Berry here, back again for another Sunday podcast. And yes, it's Sunday if you haven't checked your calendar in a week. Hope you had a good week this week, although let's be honest, you haven't been up to much. Welcome to the podcast based off my Sunday afternoon show on Radio Verulam, because how silly was I to think that a global pandemic wouldn't come along and practically ruin my life just as it was getting good? Coming up on today's show, the usual favourites in the edited highlights such as Tips of Monday, Sunday Shoutouts, and during the week I delved into the Radio Verulam archive and picked out a great interview with director Tim Hoyle and the cast of Alligators. Uh, that was a play that was on at the Abbey Theatre not too long ago. And just to say, if you fancy a shout-out for any reason, it's someone's birthday, a wedding anniversary, maybe you want to tell someone you love them, or maybe a thank you, uh, these are just some suggestions. Pet's birthday, best mate's just had a baby, uh, lockdown stories, or any jokes. Jokes are a good one. Although I do have a rule with the jokes. If you're going to send a joke in, uh, it has to be funny. Please make it funny. Uh, I want funny jokes uh, if you're going to send them in. Uh, so send everything in. Send them all in. Uh, send them my way by emailing daniel at radioverulam.com. Daniel at radioverulam.com. I'm looking forward to this. Enjoy. Radio Verulam, 92.6 FM. Now I know what you might be thinking. Another week in lockdown can sound like such a bore. There's nothing to do or drive us or motivate us. Well, you'd be wrong because... <laughs> Ah, yes. That happy bed takes me to a happy place. It's now time for Tips from Monday, as you can probably tell by that music. Uh, this is the moment where, if you're battling the Monday morning blues or not really sure what to do with yourself, um, these tips may come in handy. The first tip for this week is get enough sleep and wake up early. So go to bed a little bit earlier on a Sunday so that you can wake up on a Monday morning feeling well-rested, take time to recover from a busy weekend. The second tip is plan your day. So take time to settle in on Monday morning. Uh, when you plan your Monday, mix in easy tasks with more difficult or stressing ones. Uh, start with tasks like cleaning out your inbox or cleaning out your desk um, or other small tasks just to kind of get you in a sort of in a sort of rhythm. And uh, take time to wake up and settle in. Uh, pace yourself. I'd say that one's really important. Knowing that Monday are traditionally busy days at the uh, in, if sort of if you work in an office, but I suppose this applies in general. You don't have to work in an office. Uh, a good strategy uh, is to keep your Monday schedule as clear as possible or try to pace it out so that you don't feel burnt out by 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, pace your activities and tasks throughout the day. Uh, be positive. I'd say that was that one's really important as well. So be positive. Your Monday morning attitude is up to you. Being positive starts before you even get work. You even get to work to pump yourself up on the way to work. Uh, listen to your favourite songs or podcasts. Uh, when you do, when you do get to the office, keep your um, com- keep your complaining to yourself uh, because your mood can bring um, someone else's down. Creating or contributing to a culture or of complaining is no way to improve your attitude. And finally, shuffle up your schedule. So is there a specific task that you like that you dread on a Monday? Can you move your deadline to it being on a Tuesday or a Wednesday instead or shift a meeting to a, uh, later on in the day? Uh, even um, mixing up your mode your one your, mon- your montaneous schedule uh, can help you with your Monday morning blues. I'm Dan Berry, and I'll have more tips on Monday for you next Sunday. Radio Verulam at the weekend. 
don't go anywhere because we have Sunday shout outs and a few messages to read out in just a minute. But first, it's time to chat Alligators, a play by Andrew Keatley. Uh, so who have we got? I'll call this out like a register. Matthew Short. Hi, Dan. Uh, Catherine Steed. Hello. And Tim Hoyle. Hi, Dan. Now, before we start, uh, I'm sorry because you're probably sick of this joke already, but the opportunity has presented itself to me and I think it's a waste of opportunity if I don't say it. Alligators, what's it about and make it snappy? Boom, boom. <laughs> Uh, what's it about? It's actually a really hard question to answer. It's about the character that, that Matt plays, um, which is a character called Daniel. Oh, uh, yeah. So, perfect. Uh, and Daniel is a, a teacher in an inner city comprehensive, um, and Cat plays his wife Sally, um, and they also they have two children: a seven-year-old daughter Genevieve, uh, and a, a baby called Barney, who we don't actually see in the play, but we do have Genevieve. And then some allegations are made about. Um, Daniel, mm. who is a teacher uh, at this school, and it's about the effect of those allegations have not just on his life but on the whole family. Mm. Um, and the you know, it's not a conviction; it's nothing like that. It's it's about the allegations. Mm. I suppose it's sort of like uh, Chinese whispers. It, it is, yeah, and it, it grows and grows, and the tension through the play really does grow each scene gets a bit more intense and last as more people find out about it mm. there's more um people talking about it not just actively but on the social media and, and in the papers and so on mm. um so yeah there's it's the pressure really does intensify on on danny and on sally mm. and they're of course trying to protect their daughter through yeah. all of this so for not so for the audience watching it, do they sort of know whether these allegations are there's a, if there's any truth in these allegations or whether they're just well, sort of you need speculated to come to see the gossip? Play and find out, and make up your own mind on mm. that one. Yeah. So uh, Matt, you play Daniel. So yes. sort of talk through uh, your character. You sort of like the the main driving force of this. So Daniel um, is a is a very committed teacher. He loves school, loves the education system, and he's been very passionate about it for a number of years. Um, and I think what's most pertinent for him and the way that the story progresses is the effect that these allegations have on his mental health um, and how as things escalate his mental health can effectively uh, deteriorate as a consequence of that and for me that was one of the main reasons I wanted to audition for the part in the first place because I feel like um, although the allegations are important it's actually the effect of those allegations on him um, and how everything starts to crumble as a consequence that, that's such an, a key examination of the human condition um, so I think really going into the play um, it's got some such powerful content in it that in a way you you wouldn't want to, to not give it your your best interpretation of somebody who's struggling um, and struggling with the pressure being on you. No, of course not. So obviously, Catherine, how's the experience been for you actually working on actually working on the production? It's been great. Um, it's a really intense show to do um, and it is unrelenting both in subject matter and in pace. Um, and I think it's especially interesting for the character of Sally because things just sort of... the show happens to her um, Daniel's got the opportunity to relay the information to uh, his wife however he wants to, whether he wants to tell her the truth, whether he doesn't. And throughout the play, all Sally can do is just react to what's happening to her and try and protect her family. Mm. Okay. Uh, so we should probably mention uh, the play. It's, it's a new play by Andrew Keatley. Uh, I, think it, I think it premiered um, a couple of years ago, actually. Right. It's still fairly new. Um, so, it, I mean, obviously it's acclaimed as being, uh, the British, the British Theatre Guide said it is a play that feels all too relevant, uh, in these purist times. I suppose, it, would you say it works in a way sort of like, um, Mike Bartlett's Bull 
for example, that's pretty contemporary and yes. based on real life. Yeah, and I mean, and Bull is actually one of two plays anyway. Um, mm. There's another play um, written with it. But um, they, they are, they're comments on modern life, and, and this one very much is. I mean, there's been lots in the paper about allegations made about people, and so it's, it's a reaction to that. Um, and, and if you look at what happened with somebody like Paul Gambaccini, who's spoken mm. out about the effect that the allegations had on his life, when they, which were made public and all the rest, um, and he's spoken out quite vehemently about that. Uh, and there have been some changes in the law made as a result. Um, so this is a reaction to that. Um, but it isn't just people in the public eye that this happens to. It happens to ordinary people as well. Um, and I think this, you know, the fact that Daniel is a teacher is no accident. It's, you know, he's in a situation where obviously um, every day he is meeting and working with young people. Um, so, you know, I've spoken to quite a few teachers about how that is, and this is something they have to think about and aware of as research for, for when we're doing the play. Mm. We should talk about the cast as well, because it is a really good cast of um, four people, and some, I think some of them are playing different parts as well. Um, no, we've actually, there are five characters. Five characters, play, right. But one of those parts is played by three people. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's what it is. That's right. Yeah, yeah. so we have uh, Matt and uh, Catherine who are here today. Uh, we also have Abby Waghorn. Yeah, who you worked with before. That's right, the, the last yeah. time I was here. Yeah. Uh, I was in a play was with her. Yeah. Um, and uh, we also have Deborah Cole, who has a part in the play. Oh, yeah, she's um, very good. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Um, but then we have three young actresses playing the role of Genevieve um, because they're all under 16, obviously, because she's playing, playing a seven-year-old. Um, it's shared, being shared, so oh, okay. each night they'll be, you know, they're, they're not doing consecutive nights, so there's, there's three people playing the role. So we should talk about this. Uh, it's at the Abbey Theatre studio, so obviously this is in the smaller studio, so it's in, it's in a bit more of a contemporary space. Yes. So for the audience watching it, I guess there'll be sort of like, an, a, there's no real way to escape really. I mean, obviously you do have a sort of a, dis, uh, a distance between uh, the audience and the stage when watching yeah. it, when watching it on the main stage, but in the, in the studio it's, it's more... It's more contemporary. It's more concise. Like you, people on the front yeah. row, they've got their feet literally on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it runs. Uh, the play opens at the Epitheatre Studio uh, in January the, on January the twenty fourth, and it runs until February the first. Uh, we've got evening performances and a Sunday matinee, I believe, at half past two. Uh, the matinee, yeah. Mm. And the evening performances start at eight o'clock. Uh, we have some questions. People have been in touch, uh, so I'm going to read out a couple of to you now, um, in no particular order. So. Tim, this question comes from Ian in Redbourne, and he wants to know, what challenges are you looking for when you come to direct a play? Oh, gosh. Um, directing a play is such a commitment, um, and I spend about a year of my life doing it, from um, when I first you know, know which play it is, and then thinking about it, deciding how I want to do it, long before I get to the cast and the, the crew and all the rest. So for me, I look for a play that will, A... It's a play that I enjoy, you know, and this one, Alligators, I've never seen it on stage. Um, I picked up the script, read it, and I just couldn't put it down. And I don't often get that with plays, I read a lot of them. Um, and I, I just needed to know what was going to happen and how this was going to go. Uh, so it just grabbed me right from the beginning. Um, so that's what I look for. I look for something that I'm going to still be enjoying working with a year on, having watched lots of rehearsals, watched all the performances, etc., mm. etc. Um, so that's something it's got some, that's got has some meat to it. Mm. So that's my main thing of what you look criteria. out for. Yeah. Right. Uh, Matt, Alison uh, says, went to see Matt in Butterflies Are Free. What, are you le what was your learning process or what research did you do when preparing to act blind? 
Wow, uh, that is a great question. So I spent some time with a lady uh, who was blind, um, so that I could try to understand some of the uh, some of the ways in which she just went about daily life. Um, I, I watched a couple of really interesting films, and also spent some time watching Daredevil on Netflix as well, <laughs> because uh, the interpretation of the blind character of, of uh, Matt Murdock is, is quite good there. Um, but the other thing about it as well was was basically making sure that I didn't spend time going around the house with my with my eyes closed um, and trying to feel my way around because that would have just been like um, if I was newly blind, um, it needed to be somebody who'd been blind for such a long time that everything just came so naturally to them. Um, and for all the different parts I do, whether or not it was for Butterflies Are Free or even for this part, I try to put a lot of research into it. So for this, I've done a lot of. Uh, reading about false allegations, what's that? Lo- what's that like? Um, trying to really immerse myself within the character. So, so yeah, I think it's just uh, it, it really depends on what you're looking to try to achieve. I think. Mm, perfect, uh, Catherine. Describe a typical alligator's rehearsal. How much fun is it being <laughs> a volunteer at the Abbey Theatre? And that's from Faye. Oh wow. my goodness, um, a typical <laughs> rehearsal. Lots of biscuits um, <laughs> and jaffa cakes. They are an alligator's favourite. Um, it's as I, as I said previously. It's a very intense play, and we don't we we spend a lot of time just just rehearsing. I think we've been running the show now for a couple of weeks. We've been running long sections of it together, um, and just going over it as much as we can because there's a lot of the dialogue is very conversational. Um, Daniel, in particular, the character Daniel has huge chunks um, of speech as well. Um, so yeah, typical rehearsals are just going over the lines and stuff like that really most of it a lot of laughter you need a lot of laughter we're we're trying to make it fun as well yeah Yeah. Yeah. not within the text but (laughs) (laughs) well you need that sort of um, light relief really when you're working on something so serious Uh, because I think uh, if you project your performance in such a way the audience will feel what is coming across uh, in the way the characters are interpreted. Uh, so, Tim, what can a person expect when they go to see Alligators, and what do you hope audiences will take from it? That's from Megan in Radlett. Well, that's a really, really good question. Um, I mean, I think that people will take much wider questions, that, that the play asks a lot of questions about um, how we react when we hear a news story or hear somebody saying that somebody has done this and you know there's that automatical assumption that you start relaying what you know about them, or they, oh, they must be guilty because blah 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 um, so it, I hope it, it makes people just begin to question that and think hang on a minute there's a person underneath this what's really happening and maybe they did do it maybe they didn't but thinking about the person and the people around them it's not just that one person it affects so but people will go away with with lots of different perspectives some people will have different answers different thoughts than than others and we, that's true as of people that are involved in the production as well we don't all say oh it's this because that's life you know people have different interpretations of things and that's how it should be life is not black and white mm. and this raises some of the questions that we should think about it's a really really good play hmm. i suppose it's one of these things that will, if it, if it leaves one of these things that you like plays that make you think and you'll be yeah. thinking about it after you leave at uh, the theater and you may be thinking about you may still be thinking about it for the next two or three days exactly. uh so this is for matt and Catherine. one final question this is for matt and Catherine. uh what do you like to do to prepare for a performance and that's from matt in smallford you go first um i do two things normally i wear a particular perfume for the character 
Um, I do that for almost every show um, because it's also it's nice to get into character, but it's also a nice reminder after we finish the show because then when you smell the perfume, it reminds me of the show. Right. Um, and I buy jewellery as well if I can for the characters. Uh, so Sally, obviously, she has a wedding ring and an engagement ring, so I got those fairly early on, um, and a necklace which has an S on it as well for Sally, um, which is something that I can wear to the rehearsals, I can fiddle with in the show, um, little habits and things like that. Um, so for the preparation for the part, I always like to do plenty of reading, plenty of research into the, the topics and the themes that are evident within the play. Um, I like to go through the, the script and really analyse it to try and find certain places that link from, from beginning of story to end. When it comes to actually doing the performances themselves, um, I have sort of a bit of a routine that I always follow. I tend to always get to the theatre early and always like to take some time to do some meditation or mindfulness on stage to try mm. to relax myself and get myself into the into the character in advance. Everyone has their own different methods, I suppose. Yeah, perfect. So we should remind ourselves uh, or remind the listeners of when this is all happening. It's happening at the Abbey Theatre uh, in the, the studio in St Albans, just on Hollywell Hill. Uh, by the Leisure Centre, and it's on on the 24th of January 2020, and runs until February the 1st. Tickets are £13 with £12 concessions. You can book online at the Abbey Theatre at abbeytheatre.org.uk or in the box office. Uh, this is looking to be a really, really good, really, really good play, and I can't wait to see it. I'd say I just I'm watching. The, we're doing whole runs of it now in in the rehearsals, and I watch it and. And it almost, you know, it just gets to me. I have lumps in my throat every time. Hmm. Come and see it, Daniel. We'll do. I'll be there. Let's let's hope the audience. Let's hope audiences will enjoy it as well. Right. Thank you, guys, for coming along to see me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Radio Verulam, ninety-two point six FM. It's my favourite part of the show now. It's time for Sunday shoutouts. Yes, of course it is. Sunday shout-outs. And I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone for getting in touch and sending something in for this week. So without any further ado, hello to Katie in Hitchin. Happy Sunday to Maddie in Hatfield. Hello to Brad in Welling Garden City. Esther in Tring, hello. Sasha in Bishop Stratford, very good afternoon to you. Ruth in Letterworth Garden City, hi. And uh, Adam in Enfield, happy Sunday to you all. Hope you're having a nice weekend. People have been in touch. Uh, Who's this from? This is from Kelly in Royston. Could you please wish my boyfriend Jack a very happy birthday for today? We should have been going out for a celebration meal, but it's a steak and chips from the freezer day. Tell him I love him loads. Steak and chips, that sounds good. That sounds really good. And it's the little luxuries that life has to offer. So well done. So like a beef steak uh, with the red wine sauce and sprinkle a bit of salt on top uh, and triple cooked chips and vegetables. Oh, it's a winner. You're good to go. Uh, this is from uh, Natasha and family, uh, and she raises a good point. I'd like to show some appreciation and thanks to funeral directors. My brother pointed out that in all the thanks that we give to key workers, hardly anyone stops to think about funeral directors, and he's right. I tweeted about this on Twitter, and the National Federation of Funeral Directors picked up on it, and the replies I got back were heartbreaking. With an unprecedented number of bereavements every day, these men and women are there for families uh, in their darkest days, 24-7, and now even more so. Uh, They do it with such dignity and respect, I really believe we should give them love back. Uh, Well said, Natasha and family. And oddly, I I, I know a funeral director, and he tells me that it's unbelievably devastating, uh, particularly due to the way funerals have to be held nowadays. And it's, it's tough and it's terrible for everyone. Uh, this next message is from Dada to Mike. Uh, special thanks to Paula Moore, uh, who's 20. 
uh, her dad put on Facebook, before COVID-19, uh, Paula was a part-time carer and training to be a nurse. But now Paula has gone full-time and dad Mike and mum Sally, sister Mia, uh, they all haven't seen Paula uh, for two months now as she's caring for the residents and keeping them safe. Uh, Mike says, Paula, your parents have never been proud of you. They've never been more proud. Uh, thank you, Mike, uh, but especially a big thanks to Paula, Paula Moore, uh, working hard to care for the vulnerable and save lives. Uh, we thank you and are very grateful. Uh, I have a question. Uh, do you find uh, you, more often than most you're fixing things than you were before? You're just sort of fixing more things than you were before? Uh, because I'll, I'll, I'll get... Cause it's like when you have like a little tear or something and you still think, oh, well, I'll just get round to that later. I'll do it another time. But now I'm fixing things more than ever. What's, what is going on with us? Please can you say a very happy birthday to my beautiful girlfriend, Hannah Harris. Can you tell her that Connor absolutely adores her and always will. So thanks so much for doing this. It's no problem, I've done it. Uh, that's it. Uh, just happy birthday, so you don't want me to sing or dance or anything? No? Okay, fair enough. Uh, happy birthday, uh, Hannah. Connor loves you um, to the, and, and worships the ground you walk on. Uh, if you ask me, he's a bit needy, but there you go. Our daughter Alice Tiddles was meant to marry the man of her dreams, Matt Martinez, yesterday. Well, <laughs> that was never going to happen, let's be honest. We're all, naturally we're all naturally disappointed, but we'll be looking forward to their rescheduled wedding. Rescheduled wedding? These people are on it. Uh, the new wedding, uh, the new date is Saturday the 24th of April 2021, uh, and it's something to look forward to I suppose. Uh, please wish them well uh, for the forthcoming year and say that all the family is looking forward to celebrating with them then. Uh, that's from Jennifer and Alex Tiddles. Uh, this is to Alice Tiddles and Matt Martinez. Uh, good luck to you both and uh, all the best for next year. Uh, just wanted a shout out uh, to all the people working hard at cycle shops and everyone working in retail. We are experiencing one of the most busy periods in history. Well, who knew? Well, actually, I do know because uh, I get out about on the bike uh, for exercise as part of my sort of daily exercise. And uh, the cycle paths are busier than they were before lockdown. So people are getting out on their bikes and, you know, it's, it's great. So we're thrilled that everyone uh, is taking time, uh, are taking time out of their day to go out on their bikes uh, and exercise. And that's from Ella, Imogen and Gareth. Yes, well done. Yes. Uh, to all the people working in cycle shops. Shout out to Sam and Catherine from Letchworth who welcome their new beautiful baby daughter, uh, Margaret Ellen Reed, into the world at 5.15am on Friday morning. Uh, during such a scary time, she is the best thing ever. Uh, welcome Maggie and congratulations to new parents Sam and Kat. Uh, stay safe. Uh, uh, one more, one more. I'll do one more. I am a born and bred Essex boy living in Bedford and today I'm thinking of my gran, Nanny Nora. She's 82 today. Born on the 26th of April, 1937. Uh, I'm sure she'd be delighted to know that her favourite grandson is thinking of her, uh, sends his love and gives her a shout out on your show. She's an absolute legend. She survived World War II and polio and is devoted to her family. We send all our love to her and her husband, Jeff, bracket step granddad. Uh, we're sad that we can't see her uh, in person to celebrate with her in person, uh, but we'll be there in spirit. Have a rum and coke on us tonight, Gran. Uh, the, to the one and only Nora Pearson. Uh, lots of love to you on your birthday, Nanny Nora. And that's from Charles, Elizabeth, Diana, Adrian and Julian from Bedford. Happy 82nd birthday to Nanny Nora. If you would like a shout out uh, for yourself or someone you know, uh, then email me, daniel at radioveron.com. 
Daniel at RadioVerulam.com and get involved on social media on Facebook and Insta at RV Sunday Showcase and on Twitter at RV Sunday. That's it for today. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I look forward to your company again for another Sunday Showcase podcast. Thanks for listening, if indeed you still are. Farewell. <laughs>